Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Most Powerful Women in Sports, where the world's greatest marketers, media pros, athletes, and coaches share their remarkable career journeys and how they achieved peak performance. I'm Molly Cahillian, Adweek's senior TV reporter, and I cover the business of TV. That includes things like streaming, connected TV, measurement, and sports media. Thanks for listening, and make sure to subscribe to hear more conversations with the women changing the game. You can follow me on Twitter, if it still exists, at Molly Cahillian. Um, so we're going to do something a little different this week. We publish Adweek's largest issue in years, a double awards package that honors the Adweek 50, and to my excitement, the most powerful women in sports. So that franchise is actually what inspired this podcast. So I'm really, really proud of this year's list, which I curated alongside Adweek's senior story editor, Nicole Ortiz. There's 27 incredible women on the list spanning across the sports landscape, and I'm so excited to talk about them today. Couldn't have done it without the help of the entire editorial team, the art team, everybody pitched in on this. But I'm also really proud of the cover stars and the story that I wrote. We honored newly retired WNBA legends Sylvia Fowles and Sue Bird. We looked at their similar careers but very different off-court experiences. I just want to thank both of them for their thoughtfulness and candor, and we're thrilled over here with how the story came out. You can read the full list and the cover story at adweek.com or in your print issue if you're a subscriber. But I'm super excited for this week's episode, too. So to help me break down this year's list, two of the best in the business are here with me. Cameron Clements is the founder of Cut Down the Net, a nonprofit organization working to educate female-identifying student-athletes on name image likeness, financial literacy, personal branding, and more. And she's busy making sure these athletes have equitable access to NIL and the opportunities it can provide, regardless of race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, religion, etc. So Meredith Cash is also here with me. I'm so excited. I love Mare. Camera's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Meredith covers 
Um, Meredith is an insider senior sports reporter. She covers all games played on a field, court, rink, diamond, or gridiron, with a specific focus on women's sports. So Meredith and I have been on podcasts before together, and we've also done a TV appearance together, which was really fun. But this is the first time both Meredith and Camber have been on Most Powerful Women in Sports. So thank you guys both so much for being here. Yeah, first of many, Mal. Here we go. (laughs) Let's do it. Yeah, so I'm so excited for this. This is going to be kind of a different episode of Most Powerful Women in Sports. So we're going to be a little more casual, we'll just break this down. Because, I mean, you guys know I love to talk about sports. And also this list I really haven't shut up about. I'm surprised I haven't lost Twitter followers over how excited I've been. <laughs> well, again, um, if Twitter exists in another week, we'll all consider ourselves lucky. So Honestly. All right, let's talk about the cover story. So I told both of you guys separately that we were highlighting Sue and Syl. When I said this and when I told you, what did you think? Um, So I think that my first concern was just the – and knowing you, like it wasn't a personal concern. It was more of like a media overall concern. But my first concern was probably just the way that Sylvia and Sue had been portrayed in their final year playing at all. Um, I think anyone that follows the WNBA – would agree that Sue had quite a bit more coverage um, than Sylvia. And, you know, there's a whole history there of why. And there's also, you know, some racial inequality that we would have to talk about. But um, so that was my first concern is like, how can how can you and how can Adweek um, make it not like that? (laughs) like could we lift Sylvia up a little bit more literally that's a fair concern Camber because that was my concern too I mean you guys know I took me a while to write this story after I talked with them because I was so nervous about doing them both justice and telling this story correctly Mm -hmm. because I think it's a really important one and for people listening who might not be as familiar with Suber and Sylvia Fowles they're two of the best WNBA players of all time both retired this year after fantastic seasons still 15 years Sue 20 years um, franchise players, um, like MVPs of everything, WNBA champions, Olympic gold medalist, all you could really do. Um, Sue has a lot of brand partnerships, uh, like American Express, CarMax, Corona. Um, pretty much anytime you turn on the TV, you're probably going to see a Sue Bird commercial at some point. Um, Sylvia Fowles, not as much. And that's a lot of what we got into in the cover story um, about why that is. Both really do cite Nike, though, as massive supporters of their careers. Um, but Meredith, what do you think? Like, what did you, what did you think of the cover, honestly? Um, I loved it. If you haven't read it yet, shameless plug on Molly's behalf. It's fantastic. <laughs> and shameless plug on behalf of, you know, women's sports at large. I think it's worth educating yourself about these two women if you don't know about them. Um, but I thought it was brilliant to pair Sue and Syl this way um, because, truth be told, I think the general public may be familiar with Sue. They're not familiar with Syl, likely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a conversation that fans and media have been having over, to Camber's point, over this past uh, season with both of those bona fide legends of the WNBA uh, retiring in the same year. Um, there are lots of similarities about their legacies on the court, you know, same agent, same uh, major sponsor in Nike, but to both Camber and Molly's points, like extremely different experiences off the court and recognizability. Um, so Molly, for you to bring that conversation to the mainstream, I believe by pairing these two and, you know, people might click into this story being like, oh, I recognize the name Sue Bird, or oh, I'm interested, two legends, what are we talking about here? Like, this was a way to 
highlight that disparity without Mm -hmm. making the whole story the disparity, right? I think it was literally the photo is both of them receiving their flowers, right? I think think it uh, did a beautiful job of highlighting something and showing how hopefully both of their experiences and the difference between the two is able to bring the league into a new generation where those kinds of things Mm -hmm. aren't happening anymore. Well, mm-hmm. thank you so much for saying that. And I'm not, I wasn't asking about the cover to be like, look how good I am at writing. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just trying to get an invite back. I actually thought it was terrible, Molly. <laughs> um, no, seriously, really read like. it. It was great. Well, thank you, Mayor. Um, something I really like about Most Powerful Women in Sports that Adweek does and something I'm really excited about being able to work here is... So like a typical Adweek audience wouldn't normally read, or I don't want to assume anything, but we don't typically market towards audiences that would be drawn towards reading a story about two retiring WNBA players. But Adweek's done a really great job of elevating these voices and trying to figure out the way, the brand angles. And I mean, because if you read the story, it's very focused on their brand partnerships and their different corporate opportunities. And that's something I love about the whole Most Powerful Women Sports list in general, um, I'm, I love it. I mean, we have people aging from range age 11, like sports reporter and broadcaster Pepper Pursley to 95 year old Mabel Blair, who's working to build the international, um, baseball center in Rockford, Illinois. Um, so when you guys saw the list, what were some of your initial thoughts? Like, were there any names that really stood out? So actually, do you mind if we like backtrack for like half a second? Yeah, go Because for it. you said something that I really want to like touch on, which was, um, that Adweek has done such an incredible job figuring out like the positioning of this story um, because it is sports, but how do you bring it into like your typical audience? And I think it was Lindsay D'Arcangelo that tweeted like that this Adweek list is the perfect example of how any media outlet can probably find an angle in which they can talk about women's sports. And I thought that was just like such a great point and you guys did it so beautifully. And so I just wanted to like further highlight that. There's a lot of conversation about like, well, it doesn't fit with like our conversation or our storyline or our verticals or whatever. And like, yes, it does. (laughs) Uh, There was a, there's a way to do it, you know? So I just wanted to backtrack a second. Well, thank you to both you and Lindsay for saying that when Lindsay tweeted that the other day, that meant a lot. So, so, Shout out, uh, Lindsay, in terms of this list. friend of a pod. <laughs> friend, friend of, of the, the pod. pod. Um, but when you guys looked at this list, what were some of your mm-hmm. initial thoughts? Um. Well, when I looked at this list, my initial thought was like, holy shit. Oh, can I say shit? Yeah, you go for it. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. There's so many women in sports that like I wasn't familiar with. And so I was like, okay, I really need to familiarize myself with this. But I think my favorite person on the list is – hundred percent pepper personally like can I be her when I grow up like she's like 11 and she's incredible she's like consistently poised like she just took this dream that she had and she's just making it happen and I feel like she like when I read that she was like oh you know like I don't get called on a lot and sometimes I just kind of have to roll with it I was like I would not have been at 11 I'd have been like excuse me like don't ignore me <laughs> that's Kim- so rude well Kimber I think you're like that now I am like that now, 100. Uh, percent No, it was really cool to um, to honor Pepper, and she was a name that because the way for those interested, the way we kind of put together the Ad Week Most Powerful Women in Sports list is Nicole and I curated it, um, and then we had a larger kind of editorial team that we all like hopped in a Zoom and discussed it. But when we were building it, um, we took internal Ad Week pitches, and then we put out a call for nominations. So like anyone could have submitted anyone who they wanted. To who they thought could be a good fit on the list. And then Nicole and I really talked through it, came up with our initial proposition, and then worked that through 
uh, with the larger team. Uh, but Pepper was someone I put on the list, and I was like, <laughs> I was re- I was ready to go in like guns blazing to be like, this is yeah. why. Like, I don't care that she's 11. Like, she's already changing the game. She's already the most powerful woman in sports. She's a sideline court reporter at the Aces. Like, she hosted a Title IX panel from Nike. Yes. Like, this kid is 11, and she's killing it. But Adweek literally was like, yes, we love it. Go. <laughs> so <laughs> Like, you don't have to try so hard, Molly. It's fine. <laughs> I was ready. I came with my sources. <laughs> I love it. Mayor, what about you? Um, I think I was pumped to see the diversity on the list. I think a lot of times you see like a a pretty standard, I don't want to say formulaic, but like um, familiar characters on these kinds of things. And to Camber's point, like lots of people on here that I wasn't familiar with beforehand. And, you know, you mentioned um, the you know, span of ages, I think, you know, race, um, sexuality, um, on field, off field, like front Mm -hmm. office, back office, like all these different roles. I think it's so important to highlight just, you know, even if you don't read every single story or you don't know these people, it, it shows just how many different ways you can impact the game. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, not just through, traditional avenues. Um, I think it was fun the same way I sort of, um, I think on a, on a more extreme scale, but the way I was saying before that, like people might recognize Sue's name and then learn about Sill. I think people might come to this list and see, Oh, Megan Rapino, and then learn mm-hmm. about, I don't know, Someone Andrea, who's more like yeah, <laughs> someone more behind the scenes. Um, and I, I mean, I think it, I think it's great. I'm also pumped to see that you have a, a Paralympian on here because mm-hmm. way too often overlooked. And I mean, look at I'm if obviously you're listening to this podcast, you can't see the photo, but go look up Mallory Wegman. Wegman? Wegman. Um, on on this list, she's posing, you know, she's pregnant, she's holding her belly and she's got so many freaking medals in her hand. Like what a boss. Um, But yeah, yeah, it's great. I'm so glad you brought up Mallory because she's such a badass. Like she was training for the world championships while going through IVF. Like, uh, and I don't know. Women do incredible things every day. (laughs) Retweet. If we can still tweet. Um, yeah, Mallory. No, but, yeah, go. Sorry, I just wanted to say, just to Meredith's point, I think that it the list is so diversified that it really puts like a new definition to like what it means when we say women in sports. Like we're not just talking about reporters and we're not just talking about athletes, right? Like you've got women on here who they work at EA Sports. That's gaming, you know, like traditionally not sports thought, right? Are you a fan duel? That's ga- that's gambling. Um, you've got all sorts of people on here who are, you know, VPs and CEOs and presidents and CMOs and executive committee chairwomen and all these different things. And it's just such a great thing to see, like recognition across the board for women in sports across a myriad of positions and roles. And I just think it's really important to like kind of change what that means when we talk about women in sports. I completely agree. And that's something we really tried to hard to do with this list. We didn't want to have just athletes, just CMOs, just front office, just behind the scenes. We really wanted to have kind of a broad, diverse list. And like Andrea at EA Sports is a really great example of that because you think gaming and like obviously there is like gaming is considered a sport now. Um, But even what she's doing kind of behind the scenes at EA Sports is really cool. Like she helped spearhead 
the first woman on the cover of NHL uh, 23. Like, and like they're seeing a, like a lot more engagement in FIFA 23 with women and like they've really made it kind of a priority. And like you see a lot of that kind of cool stuff like with Heidi at U- UFC, like she helped lead, like she she spearheaded the first championship bout for a woman. And now UFC's had two title cards this year with that are female fighters. It's awesome to see. Sorry, I get, as you guys know, I get super passionate about this. Well, that's why um, you're you're well suited for this position. But I just wanted to say um, really fast that I think um, the same point that Camber made earlier about how Adweek does an incredible job of like finding the avenue into women's sports that works for Adweek, you know, for branding and for you, Molly, television and that kind of thing. Um, can you tell I'm not? in the, in that space. Sorry. But like (laughs) this list does a really good job of showcasing how there are ways that people who aren't traditionally in sports Mm -hmm. still have a footprint on sports. And I think Andrea Brimmer is the perfect example looking at this list. I mean, Ally Financial is not a sports entity by any means. She's the CMO. That's not, it's not like she's the sports person for Ally. It's like Mm -hmm. she's found her way into this space I believe the highlight is through um, the NWSL and their um, Mm -hmm. marketing there. I think that's a perfect example of this. So it's, again, great to show how all these different people from all different walks of life are able to have a major footprint in women's sports and sort of elevate the space together through different angles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Andrea because what's what she's doing is so cool cuz like Ally is not a sports company. It's a it's a financial company. But mm-hmm. Ally is one of the main sponsors of the NWSL um, and they're actually responsible for the NWSL championship moving to primetime for the first time ever this year and that was because they upped their media investment in women. Uh, Andrea is a former college soccer player and when she graduated there wasn't really an avenue for her to continue playing, so that's kind of her um her passion for it, but like what Ally's doing too. And I, I was with Andrea at the um, NWSL championship a couple weeks ago. Um, and I've talked with, to her um, for a couple other stories before, but they they have a 50, 50 media spend commitment. So within the next five years, they want to commit to a 50, 50 equal spend across men's and women's sports, which is really cool. And I don't really think there's many other brands doing that. And it's just, so again, I get so passionate about this list. Like it's so personal to me. And so like, I really put my heart into it. So I can, I can get this animated about like literally every single person on this list. That well, is so awesome. On the subject of Andrea, um, I wanted to, like you said, they made the media investment, which moved the game, the NWSL championship to primetime. And so I just wanted to note that that game had nearly a million people watching it, which was a 71% increase year over year from last year, which says so much. It's like, what is it in Field of Dreams? If you build it, they will come, right? If you just give them the, if you give people the ability to watch games, they will watch them. The problem is that they can't watch them without jumping through 15. Like I'm not going on Twitch to watch NWSL. I'm not doing it. Like, I'm, I don't know how to do it. I'm old. Like, no thanks. Um, but so I think that that says a lot about, like, what it means to give avenues of viewership to people. But what I want to say specifically about Ally is that it very – not only does it get more eyes on their organization, of course, but it very clearly puts them um, in line with what their values are and, like, why it is important to them, almost like corporate social responsibility, but they're putting their money where their mouth is, and that's ultimately what people want to see from organizations. Like, I work in marketing. That's my nine-to-five. I mean, I have the nonprofit, but 
Uh, marketing is my nine to five. So at the end of the day, especially when we're talking, like when we talk about pride month and you talk about all this like rainbow washing, no one wants to see that. They want you to put your money where your mouth is. And that's exactly what Ally is doing. I completely agree with you. And you saw that um, during, not to get too nitty gritty into like NWSL internal politics, but I mean, there's the Sally Yates investigation with the report that dropped um, a month or two ago that highlighted systemic abuse across the NWSL. I and my colleague, Jason Nadi did a story on brand responses. We spent 48 hours, like did not sleep, reaching out to pretty much every major brand that was part of the NWSL or individual teams. A lot of them didn't reply. Uh, I would rather have a no comment than a don't reply just for any marketers and CMOs out there listening. Please just tell me no comment. Don't make me chase you. It really drives me crazy. <laughs> um, but Ally was the first company to get back to me like very quickly. And it was Andrea directly. And it was a very thoughtful statement and very much like we're here for the NWSL, but we, this is not okay. And we are going to make this change. And I just really respected that about her. And I told her that. Molly, what was the, what was the word that, um, so many of the brands used? Oh, deeply disturbed. That's what it was. Yeah. They all said the same thing where it was like a whole, a whole lot of words to say. Very little. It's like a copy-paste response. We're very deeply disturbed by this. This is terrible news. Hashtag, we're looking we into don't know it. What we're talking about like we haven't read it. We didn't even know this was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it and sounds so, awful. I, I think. I think to your point, it it really shows when um, a company's actually invested in what they are investing mm-hmm. in beyond dollars um, and. Mm-hmm. It makes so much sense to me that Andrea comes from a, a women's soccer background um, in her own life. And I hope that we can get to a point where you don't have to have that personal experience to take a vested interest in these things. But it's amazing to see people like that actually putting their heart and soul in addition to their their dollars into these uh, ventures, which is I don't know. It's just great. And I think I think it's amazing to see you highlighting these people that way. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming, 
to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Well, thank you. I swear I didn't invite you guys on to be like, tell me how great I am. Uh, we could get, um, we could yeah, do but, the outtakes. We could talk about all of Molly's, <laughs> Molly's garbage after. No, oh, we don't let's, let's talk about the 45 minutes we spent listening to you freak out about Taylor Swift before this. Okay. So uh, <laughs> listeners note, today is Tuesday, November 15th, as we're recording this and Taylor Swift pre-sale was happening and it was a it was disaster. It was a big day. It was a big day. But don't, don't you worry. I got the tickets and we're here now. <laughs> um, though actually something we were talking about uh, in our pre-call before we got on was about different kinds of women's con- sports content and how different mm-hmm. brands are doing it. So someone on the list that I'm really excited about is Ariel Chambers, who's the mm-hmm. founder of Highlight Her under Bleacher Report. It works to elevate uh, women's sports stories and at, like and athletes across all levels, so from like elementary school to the professional. Mm-hmm. So what are you, like what are your guys' thoughts about kind of how women's sports are covered in the media? Because right now only about five percent of sports coverage is directed towards women's sports. Meredith, I'm going to let you lead because I think you had such a good outlook on this when we were talking about it uh, before recording, and maybe I'll follow up. Okay. Um, <laughs> I I think the very long story short is that um, the power players in the traditional sports broadcasting and media spaces aren't feel like they're leaving a big hole by not covering women's sports deeply and regularly. I mean, we'll see ESPN occasionally jump in. Um, with a women's sports segment or, you know, someone who's extremely mainstream and already recognizable and, and highlighting something that they've done. I, I'm thinking of like a Paige Beckers or, you know, Sue is a good example. Um, Megan Rapinoe. Yeah. Um, who's the, also on the list and phenomenal. But. Yes. Yeah. Nothing, nothing against these people, but certainly not pushing the envelope in the women's sports space and probably not mm-hmm. educating a lot of fans on new people or new happenings in the space. Um, and so I think there's a lot of room for, for smaller publications to come in. And we were talking before we started recording about um, Together, The Gist, and Just Women Sports, all of which are uh, um, in different ways covering women's sports. The Gist is a little different because I think it's all sports by women for mm-hmm. women, um, mm-hmm. but specifically just women's sports and together are focused on women's sports, but neither of the two, I think, have filled the entire niche by, you know, consistently covering women's sports in a serious journalistic, not 100% branded way. I think all of them... Mm-hmm do parts of that, but no one has taken, you know, the sports center model and applied it to women's sports. And I think that mm-hmm. there there's room for that to grow. And I think we'll get there. I think it's, you know, we've, we've talked about how a rising tide lifts all boats and women's sports are clearly moving in the right direction. And there's, there's, uh, I don't want to call it a movement. I feel like that's cliche, but we, we've been seeing, I think people are catching on to the fact that, you know, you give women's sports the space to thrive and they will do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think it's just a matter of 
giving people the time and the resources to get it right. And I think we're moving towards that. That was a big trend we saw on the list this year. A lot of, because we, we sent out a questionnaire and a lot of um, what our nominees and honorees were saying was that they've seen in the last couple of years, like a massive, like almost like a tidal wave shift in women's sports. And I, honestly, personally, I think the pandemic had a lot to do with it. I think the fact that women's sports came back first in t- 2020 got a lot of people into the WNBA, into the NWSL, into that's a whole, that's a topic for a whole other podcast. Um, but I mean, look at what you saw with the Euros this year um, and like with UEFA. And so I don't know. It's just, it's, it, that's been a trend that our nominees notice too. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to like piggyback on everything you guys are saying, um, I think that we have to move away from the idea that ESPN and these big sport outlets are ever going to really be all in on women's sports because the fact of the matter is, and I don't necessarily believe that it's like a, you know, vindictive or malicious thing that they're not. It's just that their their audience is not expecting women's sports from them. And you can see it in comment sections whenever they post about it's disgusting and they do nothing to quell it. Um, so I think we have to get away from this idea that like, oh, we need, e-, like we do need them, but like we can also just give all of our support to these other platforms and hope that their vision becomes like a little bit more, um, narrow and they can kind of figure out like how they're going to cover women's sports and in this more all-encompassing way. Um, but I think the struggle right now is because they're not, you know, strapped with cash like ESPN. It's like, well, we have this branded content and we have this ad content we have to do and we need sponsorships and we need this. So they're trying to do so many things at one time um, that I feel like the vision kind of gets like lost in the sauce. Um, but in regards to like the significant growth, um, in women's sports, like not only do I think the pandemic had a massive, um, impact on that, but I think NIL is also having, and will continue to have a massive impact on, um, women's sports and the visibility of women and female identifying athletes. Right. So then Paige Beckers, that might've been the first time when she signed with Gatorade, that might've been the first time anyone ever heard of her if they're not watching college ball, you know? So Wait, then Cameron, like, just, oh, wow. just, just quickly for people that yeah. are listening who might not know, can you explain briefly what NIL is? Yeah. So NIL's name image likeness, which basically means that players are able to profit off the use of their name, their image, or their likeness. Um, so that was always a huge deal with college athletes because they're they're not getting paid beyond maybe an athletic scholarship, maybe only like 57% of D1 athletes have athletic scholarships. Um, so this allows them to profit off of like their jersey sales if you can get them. Um, and it also allows them to make like brand deals and partnerships with, you know, like StockX and Gatorade and Crocs is like a huge one and <laughs> H&R Block. And, you know, you can create these deals and get paid for them. Um and you can ask, like, actually in, like, 17 states, I think, uh, even high schoolers can take advantage of NIL. So that's where you see, like, the Jada Williams and the Kikis coming in. Um, but I think that that's having a huge impact and will continue to have a huge impact on the um, visibility of women and female-identifying athletes. Um, and we have, just to go all the way back <laughs> to the very beginning, we have an incredible chance to not do what we did with Sue and Syl. Um, as we move forward through NIL. I'm looking at the list right now. And to your point, Suni Lee is on here. I believe she's the only college mm-hmm. athlete on the list. Although, Eileen am I right? In college. Um, but oh. I don't think, no, she's I don't think she competes she's, for Stanford, right? She's at Stanford. I don't think so either. She told us that she was, yeah, she's, she's a freshman at Stanford. She told us she was busy embracing her nerd identity. <laughs> I love okay. that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Pick me. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, um, no, but SUNY never would have been able to go to college without NIL. I mean, I think yeah. she, you know, she took advantage of brand marketing deals um, before she decided to go to college because obviously she's an Olympian. She won the uh, all around in 2020 or, or at the 2020 Olympics in 2021. I'm not sure how we're ever going to like remember those Olympics, but that's a separate issue. Um, I mean, there are so many stories out there. I know I've written at least one, but, you know, SUNY's involvement in women's college gymnastics has brought so much attention to the sport at the collegiate level. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's gotten, and this is a trend across women's sports, but like huge, huge spikes in viewership attendance. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think Auburn was selling out its arena for home meets. Well, I mean, even volleyball games selling out, you know, where that's like not one of the top three college sports, but you're selling out volleyball games. Volleyball is actually one of the fastest growing sports in the U.S. for women, which mm -hmm. is really interesting. And we have a volleyball player on this list, um, Cassie Lickman. She's with Athletes Unlimited. She's a volleyball player, executive committee chairwoman. And her team, like AU put out a press release for this list, which thank you guys. Like that actually drove a lot of media coverage for us. And we really appreciate that. Um, but like what, when her team put this out, they were talking about how a couple years ago you never would have seen a volleyball player mm-hmm. on a list with the likes of Megan Rapino, Sue Bird, mm-hmm. Hillary Knight, like all these big powerhouse athletes. But Cassie in herself is a powerhouse athlete, and so is the right. sport of volleyball. And by the way, what Athletes Unlimited is doing is so cool. I was just about to say that I what I, I absolutely love what Athletes Unlimited is doing, and I am so excited, to, especially um, when we're talking about basketball. And I don't think that we can go this entire podcast and not bring up Brittany Griner. Um, So especially as it relates to Brittany Griner, being able to have a league at home where we don't have to, where players don't have to go overseas um, to continue to play pro ball um, due to (laughs) really bad salaries. Um, I think that AU pro sports comes in and they are just able to like fill this gap um, in the, in the professional sports world. And I am just like so excited for it. They had this big, huge infusion of cash recently, and I'm just super stoked, um, to see how this goes and, and what it means for professional sports players. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like you think like Natasha Cloud from the Washington Mystics is yes. now, love she's her. Staying, I love her too. She it was just announced this week that she's staying with AU, with AU. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. And then, Camber, I am very glad you brought up Brittany Griner because for those listening who might not know, uh, Brittany Griner has been wrongfully detained in Russia since February. Um, she has been sentenced to nine years in a Russian prison. She's currently in a penal colony in an unknown location, and it is a mm-hmm. very terrifying, horrifying situation. And while BG is not on our list of most powerful women in sports this year, she is, however, very heavily featured in the cover story um, because I, to me and to like everyone else, it was very important to highlight her story, um, especially that it goes along with the theme of the disparity in athletics. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reason Brittany Griner was playing in Russia was because the year-round salary is so low. Like Steph Curry makes $48 million a year. A WNBA player, there's 14 in the entire league of 144 players that make more than $200,000 a year. Mm-hmm. That's why these players have been overseas and they're not getting the same brand deals that the men are. Um, Mm -hmm. Like Nike is a big sponsor, Brittany Griner. She was actually the first openly gay athlete to sign with a major shoe brand uh, back in 2013, I believe. But Sue Bird told me when we were talking that when Sue did not play overseas this year, but has played in Russia before. Um, But when Sue and I were talking, she said that Nike was actually one of the very first entities that reached out to the players overseas to get them home. And Mm -hmm. like, 
if Nike can't get Britney Griner home, like who can? <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely not Dennis Rodman. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't mean to make light of the situation, but like, what were you thinking? Um, so I think, I just think it's, I think it's so important that we talk about Brittany and we make sure that people like know the situation there, but also understand like why that is even an issue in the first place. I agree. Um, and also the, like not to get political on the timeline, but um, also how badly timed it was with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Yes. And that truly at the end of the day, Brittany, Brittany Griner is a political pawn. Um, and it's very upsetting that she can be gone for 10 months now, um, with absolutely no communication, um, especially around like a trade of some sort. And I know the USA has reached out. So, um, just, you know, absolutely keeping her in our thoughts, but thankfully we have something like AU where hopefully it can continue to grow and more and more players can join it and we don't have to send them overseas anymore and we can get some increased salaries when this current awful CBA is up. One. Also, we got to see way more Sydney Colson from AU, which I am personally grateful for. <laughs> the best uh, self-marketer in the WNBA, I would say. She's but incredible, honestly. If I'm making I... a, a marketer's list. But the one thing I would add to the BG conversation, and I'm glad that it came up, um, Molly, to your point about how there are only 14 players in the W who make more than 200,000. Uh, Brittany Griner is one of them. Um, and one of the things I see on comments, I cover, you know, Griner's experience and um, the updates pretty closely. Um, for Insider, if anyone wants to uh, uh, <laughs> click and uh, scroll. Read Griner's um, work. She's one of the best. Yeah, help there. me out. Oh, thank you. Um, but I, a lot of the comments I get is, you know, well, for the rest of us, $200,000 is a lot of money. And, you know, she doesn't have to go anywhere. She could live off of that, whatever. And I hear that, but, you know, athletes have a, a short lifespan in which they can make mm -hmm. a living, right? And so I think mm -hmm. not only when you put it in the context of NBA salaries compared to WNBA player salaries, but, like, when you talk about her trying to support her family and and live the rest of her life off of this salary. I mean, for when most of her no career, she was, sponsorships. for most of her career, she made under $100,000 a year. Um, mm -hmm. Well under that. It's only recent that it's gotten into the 200,000s and that's not even good enough in my opinion. But point being, that money doesn't last very long when you're talking about mm -hmm. a career of 20 years if she's lucky. I mean, that was Sue's mm -hmm. experience. That's not typical. Um, so mm -hmm. I just think that's an important note to add when you talk about the the salary component. I yeah, agree. I and I that. think it's and I also think it's really important to touch on like not only is your career as an athlete super limited, but when we're talking and we're going back to brand deals here again, when we're talking about brand deals and you're talking about someone who's masculine presenting, who's out and gay and who's black, like best of luck getting a deal, right? There was a whole entire ESPN article with John Quill Jones about this. And obviously we touched on it in the cover with Adweek. Um, but you don't have those things to fall back on. And then you've spent your entire life playing basketball. How do you then pivot into doing something else? Like, that's a really hard move to make, especially with the, you know, the demographics in the background that traditionally get overlooked. Um, and so it's just, yeah, there's a lot to consider when people are talking about salaries that I just don't think it's 
Well, exactly. And like to bring that back to the cover story, like you see that Mm -hmm. with Sue and Syl in their post careers, like Sue is getting speaking opportunities. She is getting approached by brand. She's getting brand partnerships extended. When I asked Sylvia if even in her final season, when she was getting this media coverage and she was getting this attention, Mm -hmm. if brands had approached her in a different way, she just looks at me and says, no. And she said, how frustrating is that? So, and Sue is going to go, uh, Syl is going to study mortuary science at the end. Uh, uh, she's studying it right now. She loves it. She's super happy with it. That's what she wants to do. But I think it's She just can really- embalm me when I die. <laughs> Kimber! <laughs> <laughs> I literally have her on the wall behind me. She can embalm me when yeah. I die. I don't care. Um, and yes, for those that can't see, which is, I think it's only the three of us that are on camera right now. Kimber does have a poster, a like, beautiful frame poster of <laughs> Sylvia Fowles behind her. And I um, have the Chicago sky and then up there's Sue Bird. So I got to, you know, I got to try fuck wait, to have Kimber, do you like basketball? No, I hate it. Why, why would you ask that? <laughs> well, guys, I've kept you for a pretty long time. So I think we might need to start wrapping it up. But okay. before we call this, do you guys want to pitch your companies and your socials to our listeners? Can I actually like tell a quick story really quick that we didn't get to talk about before yes, we pitch course. anything? Okay. Of course so I want to talk about really quickly uh, Melissa Proctor, who's the executive vice president and chief marketing officer of the Atlanta Hawks and State Farm Arena. And when I was looking through the list, um, her name didn't initially stand out to me. And then I started reading about her and her, I just want to share this with everybody. So when she was 15, um, she started writing to the Miami Heat, who happens to be my favorite NBA team, asking for a job, and she never got a response. So then she started calling every single morning the equipment manager <laughs> until they told her to please stop calling. They did not have a job for her, and she still refused to call or refused to stop calling. And eventually, they gave her a job as a ball girl, the first ever female ball girl in the entire NBA, which is really cool. But my favorite part of the story is that she wanted to be an NBA coach so badly that when Pat Riley would draw his plays out on a sheet of paper and then crumple them up and throw them out when she was leaving, she would get all these crumpled up pieces of paper, take them home, flatten them out and like study the plays. Um, And I just think she's like, this whole story just like really sat with me because I was like, what an like incredible amount of motivation and inspiration. And now she's, she didn't coach, but now she's currently the EVP and the CMO of the Atlanta Hawks, like incredible drive. Like it just, I wanted to tell that story because I thought it was so fun. She is on Most Powerful Women in Sports for a reason. <laughs> yes. Yes, <laughs> truly. Like, incredible. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. Do you, uh, you want to share your Twitter handles with the, with the group and then anything you guys are working on that you want to share? Meredith? Yeah, I write for Insider, formerly Business Insider, but we uh, had a brand change a few years ago, but everyone still knows it as Business Insider. Whatever. It's fine. Um my, I, Adweek can teach I, you about branding. I tweet a lot of my, yeah, read Adweek. Um, I tweet out a lot of my stories. You can follow me on, at uh, Maricash22, so long as Twitter still exists. Um, and yeah, you could read my stories uh, on Insider's site. So that would be great. Read Meredith's stuff. She, pro- she puts out consistently quality work. Thanks, Ma. And Camber? Um, yeah, so, uh, all of my handles across the board, I'm going to give you my nonprofit handles because I promise you do not want to follow me on my personal Twitter. Um, it's mostly unhinged, uh, unhinged, just unhingedness in general. Um, so maybe don't follow me there. 
Um, so it's official underscore CDTN, which is cut down the net. Um, we're a nonprofit organization, like Molly mentioned, um, really dedicated to the education of female identifying student athletes around NIL, personal branding, marketing. Um, really shameless plug here. We are looking for more board members and committee chairs. So if you have a passion for sports and specifically around inequality in sports, please DM me. I'm open to have a conversation. Second shameless plug is like, please somebody hire me in sports. Thank you. The end. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, and thank you to our listeners for going on this experiment with us. I'm hoping we can do more of these kinds of things because it's a lot of fun. This was fun. Yeah. Let's do it again sometime, folks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Adweek's Most Powerful Women in Sports, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Amanda Sickler, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heal, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.